Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Today's text from Mark gives us a window into the life and priorities of Jesus. He's in Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. It's early morning, still dark outside. Late into the night, he had been healing people and casting out demons. He must have been exhausted. There were many more still waiting to be healed. But Jesus slips out of the house and goes to a deserted place and prays. We're not told exactly what he prayed. We can only guess that he was seeking a word of renewal from his heavenly father and guidance about what to do in the face of such staggering need. We do not hear the prayer, but we hear the decision that comes from it. Contrary to what the disciples expect, that Jesus will come back into town with them to recommence his ministry to the sick and spiritually oppressed, Jesus says, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. He is compelled to move on in order to preach. And he will continue to heal people and cast out demons wherever he goes, well, almost everywhere he goes. But a priority of his calling was sharing a message. What was the message that Jesus needed to preach? He had not yet been crucified and raised. What was the message? Earlier in Mark, we read, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That was the good news that would be proclaimed and that still is the good news that each generation of Christians is charged to share as well. We are all called to be sharers of good news, otherwise referred to as evangelists. Now I know this is an activity that sends shivers down the spines of most Episcopalians. After all, we've heard many talk about Christian faith who are just phonies. I'm quoting my father here. They blab on about Jesus, but their lives do not show charity or self-control or much of anything compelling. In fact, in some cases, quite the reverse. We don't want to be hypocrites, and so we think better to keep quiet and let the liturgy do its thing. We hope that people who don't know the Lord might drift into church somehow, maybe be lured in by one of our choir's fabulous evensongs. And then, of course, there are those who love to quote St. Francis as saying, preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. Well, St. Francis did a lot of good deeds, presumably silently, but he also used a lot of words, principally to point away from himself to God, 
Words are often very necessary. That wonderful hymn that we heard earlier this morning about God cleaving the darkness with his word. And we're called in by God to participate in a tiny way in that awesome power of creating the world through our words. They may not be necessary in demonstrating God's love, but they are necessary in explaining where that love truly comes from, in giving credit where credit is due, and in pointing out what love is not. Love is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Yes, the fact is, words are very, very important in preaching the gospel because words create realities. Another objection is the fear of accidentally pushing someone away by our own ineptitude. What if I say the wrong thing? Or maybe we worry that we are actually being discourteous to share our faith with someone who does not know the Lord. It seems presumptuous, and that can be true. Praying for friendship might be the foundation for sharing the gospel. All of these quibbles are understandable, but let's focus on what sharing the gospel really is and maybe some of these objections will give way, and we will all be encouraged to engage this aspect of our Christian calling that is such a priority for Jesus himself. The first thing that's important to establish about evangelism, or sharing the gospel, is a foundational theological truth, the sovereignty of God. It's what we all know when we pray to God, asking him for whatever. In doing that, we acknowledge that we depend on him, that in many things we are powerless, and that he has dominion over all things, from providing our daily bread, to forgiving us, to delivering us from evil, to offering us eternal life, to speaking resurrection into a tomb. And importantly for this discussion, it is God and only God who can soften human hearts, open our eyes to our own messed upness, and move our wills to want and receive a savior and help us to turn and follow him. This is very important because if we think that the technical word would be conversion, but if we could say change of heart, is something we can achieve on our own, that it's about our eloquence or sincerity or timing or technique, the burden would be intolerable. But change of heart is in the hands of God. If you reflect on your own life, I think you might agree that there was a time when talk about Jesus was sort of factual and objective. 
like a description of a certain kind of configuration of a storm cloud. And then one day, the cloud was above your head, and the rain poured down, and you were soaked, and you realize, oh, that's what they were talking about. I know God in my own life. So the first point that we establish about sharing the good news is that conversion is something God does. And this frees us from thinking we need to convince people or brainwash people or compel people or corner them at dinner parties when there is no escape. But the second part is that there is still a human responsibility to respond. And we do need to mention that. It's part of the gospel message. This is one of those things that is paradoxical. How can God be sovereign and yet humans remain responsible? Honestly, I don't know. It's just what the Bible says. But it is important because when we share the gospel, part of what we do is communicate what Jesus communicated, which is that there is a need to respond to the news, not just know it, to respond. Remember, he said, repent, turn around, believe in God, believe also in me. And we say, believe in Jesus, receive his work on the cross for you, believe he is raised, entrust your life to him, turn away from all that separates you from him, follow him. Recently, I was in conversation with our Nashville fellows, and we were discussing if it was possible to present the gospel without mentioning the name of Jesus. One of the fellows brought up the point that for many in her generation, the name Jesus just carries so much baggage. It was a very profound insight that I need to consider more. But at this point, I would say that St. Paul struggled with issues about the acceptability of the gospel message. I preach Christ crucified, which is a scandal to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. There's always something in every culture that objects to some aspect of a crucified man-God who is raised from the dead for the sake of the sins of the world. In the case of many Jews in Jesus' day, it was blasphemous to talk of a human being God and worse, dying. For the Greeks, the account of Jesus just didn't have enough philosophical nuance or complexity. And now we struggle with centuries of wrongdoing in the name of Jesus. Some of it painfully recent. But that is not a reason to fear using his name. Because at the very center of evangelism, of the good news, is the person, Jesus. 
He is who we are presenting. We are presenting Jesus as we know him from the scriptures. This man who by his very present made people realize God's holiness and their own sinfulness. Peter said to Jesus, depart from me, I am a sinful man. And all that Jesus had done was miraculously help him catch a bunch of fish. But more than that, Jesus made people know God's love for them. Evangelism is presenting Jesus as we know him from the scriptures with his love. God's son who died for the sins of the world, who was raised and offers us forgiveness, healing, and relationship with himself forever. On Thursday, I had the great privilege of doing an interview with the first artist who will be featured in our beautiful, newly built Bradford Gallery space. His name is Ted Jones. He's from Hendersonville, and he is a devout Christian. And at the center of his art and his life is Jesus. He said, you know, it's so simple, really. I mean, you can make it complicated. People do. But it's all about Jesus. God loved Abraham. He loved Moses. But when it came to Jesus, he said, this is my son. Listen to him. Listening to Ted, seeing his face light up with love, hearing him laugh, well, his words spoken in my presence brought me into the presence of Jesus, into his grace in a new way, into an invitation to follow him more nearly. That is what your words have the power to do also. <laughs>